Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl. What's new in your world, man? Well, I started watching this show called The Twilight Zone. It's a very unpopular show. You probably haven't heard of it. So what was uh what is your like what is your awareness of the Twilight Zone of what it was going because you're talking about the, the I meant, I'm talking about the new one. That's correct, right? I remember that the old one was like this very popular kind of creepy sci-fi show, kind of like old-fashioned Black Mirror, and I really like Black Mirror. Yeah, I think Twilight Zone was part of the inspiration for Black Mirror. But And also, I know this new one is from the mind of Jordan Peele, which is an amazing mind, which can create really many amazing things. That it is an amazing mind. What is his involvement exactly? I know he hosts it. Does he help with the story development, or does he... Uh, yes, See, he appears sometimes in the story as kind of usually the mystical character. Uh, we don't have CBS All Access, so, but they've posted the first episode onto uh, onto YouTube, which is where I watched it. It's called The Comedian. Okay. It's about this comedian who's doing really, really poorly, and he gets advice from this popular comedian played by Jordan Peele. Okay. Who, like, to make it more personal, but every time he, like, talks about a person, they disappear, and they never existed. No way, really? And eventually, like, oh, the spoilers for this specific spot Twilight Zone episode. But eventually it keeps going on, and, like, his life is being ruined by his pursuit of his comedy career, and eventually his ex-girlfriend, like, shows him as, like, comedy book shows the crowd his comedy book which is just a list of names of people he wants to make have never disappear oh that's have disappear nice twist. and then he realizes how bad he is and does a whole and does a stand-up thing on himself making him never appear and something they really did well in the episode is like the first thing was like on the wall of the comedy club it's a mural of a bunch of these people watching at the tables, and then you see the like the painted face of the comedian as one of the people on the mural, and then you realize that all these people on the mural are things that it's happened to, and this other popular comedian who you see in the story at the club gets talked to by the Sam mystical comedian played by Jordan Peele, and you can see how the cycle is about to start over. That's cool. So the disappearing people go to the mural. Yes. Oh, I dig that. So my favorite Twilight Zone episode, and I'm, I don't remember really remember all of it, but uh, this, you know, I never saw it live. I think it was in the 1960s, but I would see the, you know, syndicated reruns. Sometimes it didn't come a lot. Uh, was one where this woman was uh, basically the entire world was getting uh, hot. Oh, I remember you telling me about this. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's getting hot. Like the sun is getting closer and closer and closer. They have no idea what they're going to do to solve it. People are, you know, dying. People are freaking out, and they're worried about taking care of uh, their, the daughter. And then towards the end of the episode, it turns out it's just a dream. The daughter is dreaming, and she wakes up, and she's so excited. And, and she, the reason why she woke up, she was sick, as her fever broke. 
but she comes awake only to find out that it's the exact opposite. The sun is getting further away. And even though she was burning up with this fever and her dream was that the sun is getting closer to destroy them, the truth is the sun is going farther away to destroy them. And they're actually... And I thought that was a pretty cool twist. Just a question. In it, the, I could have just massacred that, by the way. This has been a long time. I did not do any prep on that. Uh, in the old Twilight Zone show, did they ever mention the Twilight Zone as an actual thing? Because this did. Like within the story itself or just in the beginning? Uh, in the story itself. Well, technically it's Jordan Peele narrating that mentions it but not yeah, so as like, it always every episode started off with like a description of like rod serling would be like imagine if you will a father and son in an office recording a podcast but it turns out their podcast has more power than they would imagine a power that resides in the twilight zone it would be that kind of intro okay so it kind of did something like that and like and talks about in the comedian's stuff will get maybe lost in the twilight zone. Yeah, so that's the that's an homage. That's that's how all of all of the episodes will have something like that going into it. There was a Twilight Zone movie too that would be appropriate for you to watch. And I can't remember I think it was three different stories. And I don't remember if they um interwove or not. But it was okay. That was in the eighties. And I don't think it was great. And I think somebody, maybe somebody passed away and died on, on during filming of it or something as well. But anyways, we should watch that. Uh, I think I would, that's cool. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're watching that. Also, I saw this on the topic of Jordan Peele. I saw this Jordan Peele joke, which is when the teacher asks you to pick a group for the project, and then it shows like an IMDb thing of director. Jordan Peele, producer, Jordan Peele, writer, Jordan Peele. <laughs> That's awesome. That is very, very cool. Um, all right. Awesome, man. So you would recommend it based on the first episode? I know we just spoiled it for everybody, uh, yes. but it probably might still be worth watching. Yes. All right, cool. What's new in your world? That was a, feels like a very long yeah, what's new in your world. It might have been, but it was interesting. I like Twilight Zone. Um, so we got, just got back from spring break. And I guess what I discovered or what's new in my world is I really, really miss the beach. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed really mainly just looking at the ocean. We were down at the Gulf on the Panhandle, and it's been a while since I've been there when it was this pristine, like the sand was just as white as it always is. But you never got in the water. I remember that. I you said you would. I this time, and I'm disappointed about that because that last day would have been awesome. With the, there was a red flag, and that's not something I'm comfortable with you getting in. It's also freezing, and it was also raining. It was also very, very cold and raining. Exactly. So I really don't regret it, but I just had a wonderful time, mainly reading a ton and just relaxing and playing with you and playing with your cousins and uh, your aunt and everything. It was fun. It was fun, but I, uh, I miss it. I miss, like, tonight. I mean, we're doing this, which is cool, and I enjoy this, but previous to this, I was just sitting there watching TV. And what I liked about being down at the beach is I didn't watch TV really till late at night, and everybody had gone to bed, basically. Most of the time was spent reading or sitting outside looking at the ocean or staying on the beach or, you know, getting dinner. It felt... 
I'm disappointed in myself a little bit that I'm back into the routine of now we're just watching TV again. So hopefully, maybe this is a good that we're doing this, and hopefully I won't go back into that full mode of just watching TV and then going to bed. Well, I don't think I'm letting you because every night I'm like, so here's what we're doing for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I love that. I love that. So let's keep that up. So what are we talking about on the podcast today? We are talking about two different movies. You saw a movie and I saw a movie. What movie did you see? And tell us a little bit about it. I saw Pet Cemetery. And this is the remake of a film from the 80s and it's based on a Stephen King novel that uh, I've never read, but people who have read it really, really like it. And I think the word is on the street is that it's the novel is better than both movies. So this is a remake. Uh, it was directed by two gentlemen, Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer. And I'm curious, I don't know either one of them as directors. I looked up one just a moment ago, and he's done two other feature films, and they were horror films. So this is kind of in his, in his wheelhouse. But... Um, yeah, so that that's what it is. It's kind of a modern, you know, update of that of that book. I mean, of that yeah, of that book. What did you see? The movie I saw was Dumbo, and I don't do a lot of research into the movie before I go to see it because I like going in more blind. Only till the end did I find out that it was directed by Tim Burton. That's so interesting to me that you know. You know, the marketing of movies is fascinating to me because they spend so much money marketing movies that I, I didn't notice that it was directed by Tim Burton either. So I guess that means that either we missed that in the marketing or that they no longer think that the Tim Burton name is something that will get people into the movie theater and they weren't really leading with that. And either way is, you know, is interesting to me. Yeah, I feel like. I That's feel like they should have too. put have like seen... from the mind of Tim Burton or something oh, did it? from or... there. No, but I, okay. I I would have thought that was something that would have been good for marketing. I would have thought so too, but maybe he hasn't had a hit in a while. Or from know. the guy that created the Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. Maybe I guess they didn't want to scare off viewers who because that's a very particular movie. Now it's loved by you and I and lots of other people, but. I don't know. Have, now, had you seen both of our both of our movies are remakes? That's kind of interesting. Oh, like most movies and now times, they're remakes. Does, does they're part way. of a franchise. Does feel that way. Um, so, had you seen Dumbo previously, the cartoon version? No. Okay, I have seen the previous version of Pet Cemetery, and actually recorded it for us to watch sometime too. We can do it. It's on the. It's the cable. It's the. Like the cable version, not like the paid, not the HBO or Showtime. So there's, it's edited for television and for time. And I think that would be appropriate, but I bet it's still a little bit scary. So did you like your movie? Oh yeah, I thought it was really good and the casting was amazing, especially with uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton played the villain and you can just like see in his performance that he was having a lot of fun. Just playing like a complete another d bag, just like act just like the di- the Disney villain, like almost like in a scene he al- almost says like word for word mine mine mine. So he was he was diving into the uh, playing the arch nemesis villain role. Yes, he's such a good actor. I'm so glad his you know he had a kind of a second jolt of career. 
It's yeah. going to benefit all of us, <laughs> especially him. Which now that I realize that it, he was also Batman in a Tim Burton movie, so that was oh, like that's a right. They had a previous relationship. Of, he was a good Batman. Um, wonder if Tim well, Burton did the casting. Yeah, generally, I mean, you know, they all the producers have to sign off, but the director, you know, is generally the one who gets to decide this, the casting of it. And I'm sure with uh, with like Michael Keaton now, I'm sure it was an easy. Easy decision. I, know, I doubt people were. I doubt anybody at the movie studio was like, "Oh, I don't know about this Keaton guy. You know, he definitely can deliver the goods." <laughs> and he played the greatest villain in the MCU. So, the greatest villain in the MCU. The greatest villain in the MCU. Yeah. Is he the greatest villain in the MCU? Because he just, I just, I think he was. Played Vulture, right? Yeah. That's the your greatest villain in the MCU. Yes. What? Yeah. Based on the movies? Based on the singular movie, yes. Wow, okay. Interesting. He's relatable. He's very relatable. I think he's a great character. I, I did. It's, I'm just... This This feels like news that I would have heard somewhere else in the middle... In, in our... You know, hundreds of Marvel conversations. I just... I, I don't think I've heard I, that I think I've, I've said it before. Golly, have you really? Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess I'm the idiot for not listening to you. But uh, that seems like an odd choice for greatest villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I stand by. You can take back your Killmongers and Thanoses (laughs) and Lokis. I don't need any of that. Greatest villain. All right. So this sounds like a conversation to enjoy uh, on another another Uh, podcast before we get way diverted. (laughs) What movie are we talking about? Doomba? Doomba. So, Dumbo was a live-action film. It involves a flying elephant. I presume there's lots of CGI and special effects. How how was it? How, how were the special, oh, the special effects? effects were amazing. There's this great scene with like this ele- big elephant created by bubbles, and you get to see it walking around. And like Dumbo's watching it, and Dumbo's so happy. He's like he's like smiling, and he's like moving his body to the music. And that that was the best scene because you got to see cute little elephant Dumbo. Yay! Now I got yeah, very vague memories of the original. I remember like they, like some kind of animals pretended and and convinced Dumbo that he could fly because he held a feather. Those that, were not animals, at least in this one. They were children. They were children. They, they might have been children to begin. <laughs> they might have been children. I don't remember. So I remember that, and I remember, I remember. I think there was a scene where the elephant became intoxicated by drinking beer. No, that was left over, and I could be making that up. Also, I, maybe, <laughs> maybe they left that out. I, I mean, uh, hopefully, they might have. That seems like something that would that be out. okay to leave out. Um, so the special effects were good. What's the theme of Dumbo? Like, what are the, what's the message? What's the story getting at? I think. Believe in yourself. Okay. Kind of. I honestly, like, I don't know. You think for, like, a children's movie, it would be easy to point out the theme, but... Well, not necessarily. But, you know, in, in different audiences, different people <laughs> will come away with different things. But, and I guess we should... You know, I don't think we've said anything spoilerific just yet. But I think people know there's a, an elephant and, <laughs> you know, he can fly and there's an evil person. But... um if you had to do spoiler, if you if you can do spoilers, if you want to, if we warn them, 
Uh, yes. You can, Spoiler you can warning. Talk more about the movie if you want to. Uh, yeah. And also, like, I wasn't yeah, watching the movie. I was more. I was more so looking for cute, cute elephant. <laughs> right. Then what is? Why was this made? Right. I hear you. But as someone who's talking about movies and stories, uh, I want you to be aware of what's going on beneath the surface of a story. Because, you know, the reason why we tell stories is there's many reasons, but one is certainly to entertain, but also to instruct, you know, or to impart a view, a point of view or a lesson. And I can easily tell you the point of view and lesson in my movie (laughs) because they kind of beat it over the head a little bit. Um, So Pet Cemetery, for those of you who don't know, and there will be some spoilers involved in this, uh, involves a family who moves to Maine, which is where a lot of Stephen King's uh, works are set. They move to Maine from Boston to kind of escape the rat race and to spend more time with the family. The father is an ER doctor, and so now he's going to go work a clinic in a much slower pace, spend more time with the, the wife. And there's two kids. There's a daughter. Can I uh, interrupt you for yeah, a second? of course. Just to give you some of my thought process. Because I was thinking in like the mind of animals and pet cemetery, when you said rat race, I imagined yeah. a bunch of rats, undead rats, just racing, <laughs> racing down the streets of Boston. That is quite a view, and uh, as far as I know, and Boston, that's why they wanted to leave. Boston, that would be an excellent reason to leave. As far as I know, there's no zombified rats in Boston. Um, so the family moves there. They have a neighbor played by John Lithgow, who plays a guy named Jed or Judd. I don't remember which one, but he's lived there forever. And they notice when they first arrive that there's this odd procession of kids, maybe six or seven, wearing masks. And the masks are animal masks. And they have a wheelbarrow, and in the wheelbarrow is a dead pet. And they are trudging along to the pet cemetery. And what happens in the pet cemetery as well? That's where the town has buried their pets for years and years and years and years and years. So adjacent to the pet cemetery is this huge pile of wood that's been chopped up. Kind of, uh, it's it's treacherous looking. It's ominous feeling and looking. And it would be something like a huge barrier. Like it's really tall. Like you can climb over it. But it's not the kind of thing you can climb over it really without getting hurt or without it being very careful. And so this is just sitting there as we explore the pet cemetery. And that's kind of the, the gateway to another place where bad things can happen. So it's, the pet cemetery itself is fine. And I don't remember if that's a change from the original or not. But like, there's nothing bad about the actual pet cemetery. That seems it seems weird. They should have called the movie "That Dark Place Behind the Pet Cemetery." <laughs> they should have, because basically you have to hike for like an hour, hour and a half past the pet cemetery into this watery area. You have to go through like a like a bog, basically, and you come to this crest and this hilltop, and it's that the hilltop that if you bury something that's dead, and I think <laughs> it, I think it has to be that day that, and you put these rocks on it and of course this is this is again not really a spoiler i suppose but it might be a spoiler um it comes back to life however it doesn't come back the same now the reason they're whole worried about this is because jed or judd the older man 
he actually takes a liking to their daughter. They become friends, kind of. They kind of hang out, and he teaches her stuff, and she's learning from him, and they're, yeah, they're buds. But then her cat dies, and she's terribly upset. And so that's how, that's why we're visiting the Pet Cemetery, and that's why we visit uh, Beyond the Pet Cemetery. Um, I was not terribly excited about seeing this movie. I'm not sure I love scary movies. I mean, why did you go see it? It's not like there's a significant other person that you may do a podcast with <laughs> yeah. that puts a gun to your head and tells you to see these certain movies. <laughs> there's definitely not a gun to my head. Um, but, so I, I was, I, I, I didn't love the first one. And it did kind of scare me at points. And this one definitely scared me. Like, I spent a lot of this movie with my hand over my eyes. Because not just is there the story of, you know, the pets coming back to life. And maybe some other things happen in that same regard. But there's also these, like, visions and flashbacks. And I think the visions and the flashbacks are just as scary as, like, as the main storyline. The first set of vision is the doctor tries to help a young boy, maybe a teenager boy, maybe in twenties, early twenties, maybe. He gets run over. Tries to save him, he can't. He dies. Well, this boy, uh, young man, comes back several times in visions to warn the dad, and then I think also the mom later. He's trying to help them from the spirit realm. But since he was run over, his face is just mangled. There's brain showing. It's gruesome. So every time he comes back, it's not like they, it's not like he says, hey, you know, I'm back. You know, it's like some scary, like music and darkness and jumping out at you. Like it's, there's tons of jump scares and a lot of them were really well done. So that's one vision. Now this second and even scarier kind of thing going on is that the wife has some emotional trauma. When she was growing up, her sister had some kind of disease. It probably was maybe polio, something involving the spine. And her sister was bedridden and horrifically uh, wrecked was her body. And she couldn't get out of bed. You would hear like scraping and stuff. She, according to the mom, she, her sister hated her because... You know, one was healthy, one was not. And her parents would leave her alone to take care of this sister. And she would have to take the food of Trey up to help her. And to, probably, I guess, to feed her, too. And again, in this movie, they make her as scary as heck. And she's gruesome and gross and mean. And so the sister, scared to go up the stairs to help her, she's basically locked away in the attic, is what she is. They have a dumbwaiter. Do you know what a dumbwaiter is? No. So a dumbwaiter is something that was in a lot of old houses, and it's basically like an elevator for food. Like you would have a put something in the kitchen, and you could crank the wheel, and it would go up through the house. So it was like in older houses, you know, a lot of you know the servants would run the dumbwaiter, and you'd put your thing on there, and they would go up and down. So she uses the dumbwaiter to give her the food. She's not supposed to do that. Something happens, and the sister. You know, that's how she passes away. That's how she dies, is that she falls through the dumbwaiter. And it's gruesome and horrific, and I barely saw it because I was like, I don't want to see this. <laughs> so I basically didn't see like that. I was very careful with my eyes. 
Uh, so that those kind of visions are going, and that's a recurring theme of is death. Um, and I kind of got way off track here, but basically, what the theme is spoiler, 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 spoilers. What happens is the cat dies, cat comes back, cat is now mean and vicious and odd, you know, really aggressively a carnivore. Birthday party, daughter dies. Mom goes away with her parents, takes their youngest baby while the dad kind of fixes the, the arrangements. You know, they have a funeral, but he's like going to close down his office or whatever, and they're going to get out of there. Well, of course, he goes and buries the daughter in the spooky place behind the pet cemetery, and the daughter comes back, and she's not the same. And that's all I'll, I'll say on that. But I think the point is to accept nature and to accept death is the theme and when you do not accept death in nature really horrible things happen <laughs> like an army of rats running through the streets of boston <laughs> exactly exactly so that was that was pet cemetery what do you got more to say on dumbo no i feel like my mind is just full of dead animals. Now I'm magging undead flying Dumbos. <laughs> Let's not combine the two. Well, one thing I will say about the climax is, of course, it's in this theme park area called Dreamland. Okay, this is a, a spoiler coming. Uh, not really. Well, kind okay. of. I'm just make we can. It's fine. Just want to make sure people know. Oh yes, there will be spoilers coming up. But it just made me want to go to Disney World, just seeing all that magical stuff. Because basically, like Disney World, and somehow, I won't say how, but like a fire starts. And just like, and of course, like with Tim Burton's imagination. Like, it's basically like, imagine being at like Magic Kingdom. Like, you know how all fantastical all that stuff is. But like, you're being chased by a police and like fires everywhere. Okay. Like seeing like a burning like splash mountain. Oh wow! And Disney World is a magical place. I know it's the Magic Kingdom, but I, I had some of my. You've been around twelve years, and I have some several great memories of of you there. Uh, so do I. We stayed up all night just riding. Yeah, that's so much fun. One thing we should do if we go back to Disney World is get those Disney After Dark passes. I mean, I think we were there as long as you could be there because we were staying at one of the resorts so you can stay, you know, stay later than the... No, I think, like, after that we were done going there, they did these passes of Disney After Dark where you can stay, like... Oh, even later? after that, and there's, like, five people in Magic Kingdom. Well, I mean, that's... uh, It sounds like you're saying there's a later time than we stayed, but that's kind of how it was. Like, we would just ride rides over and over again. We didn't have to get out of the ride, even. There were so few people. Yeah, but, like, we still had to wait kind of in line there sometimes. But, I mean, like, we would be literally the only one in that area of the park. Well, maybe. Can't other people buy these passes, too? Yes. Okay. So, it's a, that sounds awesome. As long as we get a good night's uh, sleep and sleep late in the previous day and the day after. But, yes, that would that would be awesome. That would be fun. Uh, so what kind of grade do you want to give uh, Dumbo? And who do you think it's appropriate for age-wise? Anyone, really. Okay. It was PG, correct? Yes. But he'd probably even, you know, even younger kids would enjoy it. 
Yes. I thought okay. PG was the youngest it went. G is the youngest. G stands for general, for general audience, basically for everyone. Do they, do they make G movies? What? Yeah, they do. I've never even seen like <laughs> yeah, a... Tra- I can't elaborate any more than I've that. I've never yes, even like do. seen like a trailer for a G movie. Like, you have. Ever. And you've probably even been to G movies. You just may not remember or may not were aware that they were G. We'll do some research after the podcast. If, I need, no. if you need me to prove this point to you, no, I, I can. I, I know that they exist. I just like don't <laughs> know that they exist. I got you. Yes, they do. So what grade would you give Dumbo? Or are you going to give Dumbo? I'll give Dumbo a B plus. All right. That sounds pretty good. I'm going to give Pet Cemetery. I'm debating between a B minus and a C plus. Because I think if you're into that kind of movie, you might, you'd enjoy it. I did not, and it wasn't. It didn't transcend the genre to where, like, you know, oh, people who are who are not into horror but do like good movies, you know, they're not going to be into this movie. It's not that good. I'm going to say C plus. My like high standards of grades in school was like B plus. That's pretty good. Like I almost want to go. No, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> it's not good. A's and A pluses are good. Yeah, movies are uh, they're on a different scale than we expect uh, from <laughs> from our like ac- academics in real life. Uh, so I'm gonna actually I'm gonna say B minus because yeah, even though I was I like thought. thinking about leaving the movie several times because I was like I just don't want to involve this stress and this angst. Uh, I but still you did enjoyed it for it. me, and I dig the uh, the lead actor. Let's see if I can look up his name real quick is uh, Jason Clark, and he was awesome in this movie called Zero Dark Thirty. Um, and I, that's the first time I'd seen him in that. And I really, I just think he's really good. And there's some tough acting moments in it. Uh, so yeah, B-. minus. What are you reading these days? Uh, I am reading this book called The Rocket Boys. Rocket Boys! I used to know what that says. I don't know anymore. Uh, rocket no, Boys. Rocket Man burning so I presume out it's my about a boy who turns into a rocket? <laughs> no, it's... I haven't read a lot of it so far, but it's about this town of Colwood. It's a memoir. It's about this town of... Col- the town it's nonfiction? Of, yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Well, it's... Technically, it's a historical fiction memoir. So huh. it's weird. I think if you use the word memoir, that implies that it's nonfiction and actually happened. So maybe it's historical fiction novel written in the form, the narrative device is memoir. Yeah, okay, but I just like, when you open up the cover of the book, it says Rocket Boys, a memoir. Ah, well, then it's nonfiction, but it's probably written like fiction, so that's narrative nonfiction. Narrative nonfiction, Which okay. is really fun to read, or can be, depending on the book, of course. That's cool. So you're just you're just the beginning of it, but so far starting okay. Uh, yeah, some bits of it's a little boring. I don't think if it wasn't assigned for school, I don't think I'd read it. I understand? I'd be going back on to my Anasi boys. Yeah, You'll, there's time in the day to read a little bit of both. Uh, I am still reading one Q eight four or one Q eighty four. I'm not sure how people actually say the title. That's the uh, Murakami book that just recently, I think, uh, or maybe this was an old article, but I guess it won like best novel in Japan for 
the time period while that current ruler was head of Japan. Uh, so it's a well-received novel. It's part of the book club. It's really, really long, but I'm over 50% done with it now, and uh, I'm really loving it. I am really, really enjoying it. Cool. Cool. Anything else for this episode, Hank? I don't think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank oh, yeah, you well, so much. Maybe we should talk about our heading to Philadelphia. Yeah, so we uh, we are heading to Philadelphia very soon for a little trip. We're going to hit a bookstore or two at least and uh, hit a museum or two. So we'll probably do an Owls on Culture on at least one or two of the museums we visit. Or well, maybe we'll just I'll, do a, a Philadelphia trip. Yeah, maybe we'll just do it on the Philadelphia trip in general. That'll be fun. Yes. Awesome. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Oh, yeah, and also we may be doing a Shazam review podcast. Yeah, we did see Shazam recently. Because Shazam was actually really good. Spoiler for our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, I agree, actually. So, we'll talk more in detail about that next time. All right, until we meet again, thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Cerzier and Antoine Villar. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email. A twice a month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.